happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Nearly 50 years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court made one of its most controversial rulings with its landmark decision in Roe v. Wade. The ruling declared that states criminalizing abortion violates a woman's right to due process, meaning a woman has the right to choose whether to terminate a pregnancy with limited government restrictions. Until that point, nearly all 50 states outlawed abortion, except in cases to save a woman's life or health, or in situations such as rape, incest, or fetal anomaly. In the years since that landmark decision, state legislators have made numerous attempts to chip away at abortion rights through ballot measures and legislative moves, and together have passed more than 1,300 restrictions on abortion. Dozens more are currently making their way through state legislatures. But the precedent set by Roe v. Wade and its progeny case, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, remain intact. 
However, a Mississippi case set to be reviewed this fall by the Supreme Court holds the potential to shake the very foundation upon which these cases stand, deep aftershocks of which will either strengthen or reshape the future of abortion rights in America. It began on January 22nd of 1973, when, by a vote of 7-2, to two, the Supreme Court legalized abortion in the U.S. under Roe v. Wade. The court's judgment was based on the decision that a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy fell under the freedom of personal choice in family matters protected by the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The case created the trimester system, which says states cannot impose any restrictions on women choosing to terminate their pregnancies during the first trimester, though it does allow some government limits in the second trimester. States can restrict or ban abortions in the last trimester, once the fetus becomes able to live outside the womb. However, Roe v. Wade also established that, in the final trimester, a woman could obtain an abortion if doctors certify that it is necessary to save the life or health of the woman. In 1992, the Supreme Court made another landmark decision in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. In that case, the court upheld a woman's constitutional right to have an abortion established by Roe, but also applied the undue burden standard for abortion restrictions, establishing that no laws should be too burdensome or restrictive of one's fundamental rights. There have been numerous challenges to Roe and Casey through the years that the Supreme Court has struck down including a ban after six weeks in North Dakota and a ban after 12 weeks in Arkansas. The court also struck down a 2016 Texas law that impeded clinics' abilities to perform abortions. Earlier this year, however, Texas lawmakers found a way to get around the Supreme Court, at least for now. At midnight on September 1st of 2021, the nation's strictest abortion law went into effect in the state. Known as the Fetal Heartbeat Bill, or SB-8, the law bans abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, that is, six weeks after a person's last menstrual cycle, which is before most people know they're pregnant, and far earlier than legally provided by Roe v. Wade. What makes Texas's law different from others is that it's enforceable only through private civil action. Essentially, that means that the law empowers citizens to sue abortion providers or anyone who helps another person get an abortion or even intends to assist someone after a so-called fetal heartbeat has been detected, which the bill defines as cardiac activity or the steady and repetitive rhythmic contraction of the fetal heart within the gestational sac. Although, biologically, the heart as we know it has not developed by six weeks, so it's not really a heartbeat but rather the just-coordinating effects of a small group of cardiac cells. The person suing does not have to be connected to the person considering the abortion, or to a provider, or even live in the state of Texas. If the accuser wins their case, the person or entity being sued would have to pay the accuser or accusers at least $10,000, as well as costs for attorney's fees, according to the law. An independent abortion provider in Texas called Whole Woman's Health then challenged the law in an emergency application to the Supreme Court on the grounds that the six-week ban was unconstitutional. The Supreme Court remained mute on the subject until hours before the law went into effect, issuing an unsigned opinion consisting of a single long paragraph that stated the abortion providers failed to make their case. Though Chief Justice John Roberts, who was appointed by Republican President George W. Bush, 
and left-leaning justices Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor dissented. For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with Stephanie Lindquist, a foundation professor of law and political science at Arizona State University and a recognized expert on the Supreme Court. She explained that the Texas law was able to skirt a Supreme Court review at this juncture, quote, because it relies on private actors to enforce the law, as opposed to state officials, and no one yet has enforced it. Courts are very reluctant to resolve cases that have not yet reached a concrete dispute. However, the U.S. Department of Justice has a different source of standing, she explains. On September 9th of 2021, the Department of Justice sued Texas on behalf of U.S. citizens on the grounds that Texas's abortion law is a violation of federal law. Attorney General Merrick Garland said during a news conference, quote, the act is clearly unconstitutional under long-standing Supreme Court precedent. The Justice Department filed the lawsuit in the Western District of Texas and seeks a permanent injunction, but the case will likely eventually make its way to the Supreme Court. When Roe went into effect in 1973, the majority of the court comprised Republican-appointed justices. Even Justice Harry Blackmun, who wrote the Roe v. Wade opinion, had been appointed by Republican President Richard Nixon. Since then, Lindquist said, The ideological orientation toward abortion has changed. The Republican Party is now firmly entrenched as the party that opposes abortion. Before President Donald Trump took office in 2017, he vowed to appoint justices to the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Justice Anthony Kennedy's retirement in 2018 and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death in September 2020 allowed Trump to do so with conservative picks Brent Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. The Supreme Court now has a 6-3 conservative majority, with all six having taken hostile positions against abortion at one point or another. Since Roe was decided, legislators in conservative states have pressed to impose additional restrictions on abortion, but Lindquist says they now see a window of opportunity with the personnel changes at the Supreme Court. Quote, With the majority of justices being Catholic, and most of them being appointed by Republican presidents, The assumption is that now is the time. Strike while the iron is hot. Legislation can finally get to the Supreme Court where Roe could be challenged and struck down. Another such opportunity to entice the Supreme Court to revisit Roe v. Wade presented itself in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. This case stems from a law passed by the Mississippi legislature in 2018 that banned abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. Jackson Women's Health Organization, the only licensed abortion provider in Mississippi, challenged the law's constitutionality. After a U.S. District Court and the U.S. District Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit sided with the clinic, Mississippi took the case to the Supreme Court. On May 17th of 2021, the Supreme Court announced it would review the case this fall, the outcome of which could impact the precedents set by both Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. So let's talk about precedents. They're considered as authority for deciding subsequent cases involving similar facts or legal issues. The concept called stare decisis, which means let the decision stand in Latin, provides stability and predictability in law. When a new precedent is established or law is changed on an issue, it's known as a landmark decision. Lindquist said, precedent is one of the cornerstones of our judicial system. 
The system of precedent provides that when courts make decisions and those decisions become law, they will remain on the books until that same court or an appellate court overrules those precedents. Judges and justices often rely on precedents to make rulings in other cases. For example, five justices relied on the precedent set by Casey when striking down a Louisiana law that would have required doctors performing abortions to have admissions privileges at a state-authorized hospital within 30 miles, that's 48 kilometers, of the clinic. The Supreme Court can overturn an existing precedent with a majority vote. And this happens, perhaps surprisingly, more often than the general public realizes, about two to three times a term, Lindquist says, though these cases, unlike Roe, aren't ones that make the news. If Roe is ultimately upended, the aftershocks would be felt immediately. Eleven states have trigger laws in place that would instantly ban abortions. Conversely, 14 states, plus Washington, D.C., have laws in place to protect abortion access. Overturning Roe would also add strength to Texas's SB 8 law, Lindquist says. However, if Roe is upheld, quote, it will have major implications for the Texas case simply because it will reaffirm the core right to abortion prior to viability. The Supreme Court isn't likely to deliver a decision in the Mississippi case until the spring or early summer of 2022. Today's episode is based on the article, What's Next for Roe v. Wade in the Courts, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Jennifer Walker Journey. BrainStuff is production by HeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 